Oh yeah, hey everyone, it's Dan. Welcome to episode 68 of Eventually Super Train, the short-lived TV show podcast. We cover, well, we cover three shows at a time, one episode at a time. We've been doing it for quite a while. Now, that was a bit of the Police Academy theme, series I love. This episode, uh, we finish up The Last Precinct, which is kind of a Police Academy ripoff, which I hope you've been enjoying uh, hearing me talk about. And if you've been re-watching it with me, I hope, you, I hope you've been having a good time watching it. So, What are we doing in this episode? Hmm, you may ask. We're switching it up a bit. Uh, The first segment will be Man to Dan with Gore Blimey, hey? Discussing Man to Man with Dean Lerner, episode four. We will meet the great Merriman Weir, folk singer extraordinaire. And then Amy the Conqueror and myself will be discussing episode seven of Erie, Indiana. Marshall falls in love for the first time. And it doesn't go that well. Then the episode will conclude with episode 7, the final episode, Three Ring Circus, of The Last Precinct. You will be missed, Last Precinct. But before that, we gotta hit the penthouse and visit Dean. Let's go. Live from his luxury penthouse apartment in London's glittering East End, Dean Lerner, club owner, entrepreneur, and publisher of high-class gentlemen's magazines, invites you to join him for an exclusive man-to-man. everyone man to dan with gore blimey episode four the merriman weir episode which originally was broadcast the 10th of november 2006 i'm dan and with me i've got the great gore blimey how are you today gore hello i'm good thanks um we're having a bit of a heat wave here over in over in the uk so uh yeah i'm i'm speaking to you from sunshine and lovely weather and it's just kind of whether you just want to be outside sitting on a lilo Oh, that's the kind of weather. Yeah, and and so we're now going to spend about twenty twenty five minutes talking about Merriman Weir, who's going to make everything cheerful and happy for all of us. And of course, and and let, let me just start this here. Um, he does a Merriman Weir is a is a sort of famous legendary folk singer who had an album out in the seventies called Gallows Man, and <clears throat> Merriman is a bit uh, maybe a maybe more than a bit dour. And I just, he does a little uh, mini set at the start of the show. And I just want to play a, a, a song from that. Anyway, this next song's about lost love, literally a lost love. She went missing inside a garden maze um, <laughs> when May Day passed. It was, uh, it was one I designed actually during a particularly self destructive period of my life. <laughs> it had man traps. And, um, but um, it's called Loving You. And I wrote the, I recorded the original completely drunk, and I'm afraid that's the only version I remember. (laughs) 
loving you Great Merriman Ware, everybody. Uh, so the the episode is him doing uh, a little set in the first, basically the first half of the episode before the commercial break, and then he sits down and has a chat uh, with Dean. I believe, yeah, Satu joins Dean on the couch for uh, for the set, and we learn uh, sort of what uh, Merriman has been up to, and that he's now under contract with Dean, uh, which sounds. Maybe not like a great contract, but nothing that anyone does with Dean sounds any good. And so, um, what what did, what did you think of Merriman? Let's talk about Merriman, Gore. What did you think? First of all, I want to say about his name. Um, <laughs> I wonder if uh, the the people writing this had a bit of an obsession with urine because last time, well, the other the other episode we had uh, Steve pissing, uh-huh. and this time we've got Merriman Weir. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a connection with that or not. But uh, <laughs> oh, he's great because he's he's the kind of He's a kind of folk singer that you, even if you don't know any folk singers, you feel like you know him. He's, yeah. he's sort of, he sort of, he comes on and he's got this kind of uh, beige coloured natural fibres and a beard and a greasy hair and talks in a, a slight sort of East Anglian or West Country accent and um, strums on this guitar. And uh, um, I don't know, he just, everything about him is just so familiar. But um, I do like uh, the the line from from Dean when he introduces him and he said that the phrase there's not so queer as folk and yeah. I agree it's bad music which I think is a brilliant line yes. <laughs> but yes he, he does play some very um, dark dark um, dark music in fact he, he describes it as said uh, in the wrong hands ballads can kill because mm-hmm. they're so sad <laughs> so depressing but uh, he's a great character he's, he's one of the I think after Garth Merengue, I think this is the the character that um, uh, that, that Matthew Hornet seems to seems to be most comfortable with. He seems the more natural, you know. He seems, I don't know. He just seems completely believable. This character. Yes, and I and I I always love when a show like this, uh, uh, when when folks comedic folks I like they go when they go musical when they do musical stuff, whether it be like in Monty Python when they would break into song or, you know, like Meaning of Life is kind of almost a musical. It's got like a musical number every 10, 15 minutes in it. Or or, um, or uh, uh, there's a great... Um, yeah, uh, what, what's the song? I think Merriman reminded me a bit of in the Monty Python live shows that they would do in the 70s and 80s when they had Neil Innes playing. Uh he would do a protest. Oh, yes, he yes. would do a protest song. You can, I think, you can probably find that on YouTube. Neil Innes protest song, and it is sort of um, if uh, if Merriman is the sort of folk guy who's singing like traditional ballads and and that kind of thing, and and sounding really quite silly at times, which is great. The protest song is more like um, your early '60s Bob Dylan style protest, but using like every yes. every uh, cliche you can think of. 
Um, and he even, in, in the protest song, he does something that, um, and we'll probably play this song soon, he does something that um, Merriman does at one point, where Merriman's, he's strumming and he's strumming, and then he goes to hit that first note, and it's like, when? Oh, I was way too high there, all right. And he and, he, and Neil Innes does that in the protest song, where he hits like the final chorus, and he's strumming, he's strumming, and he hits a note that's way too high, and he, and he immediately goes like, rain, rain, on, and his voice just drops. And uh, it's I always I always love when when they go musical and and Matthew Holness is so 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 funny in this is this folk singer who just keeps pouring out just like depressing after odd after just wonderfully strange <laughs> song and yeah he's he's a he's a great character and I think you're right there's something there's something about him that he uh, I think he feels sort of very very comfortable in that character like Mer- Merriman has been around yeah for I think decades. so yeah. I was just going to say, the other thing with it is is that he's not just playing a character that plays the guitar and so on, and, and that's all very well. You can see that he can actually, he can play the guitar. Yes. He can sing and he can play the guitar, although he's doing a kind of a, a send-up of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good. Yeah. You know, when he starts doing his introduction and his sort of, you know, work doing the introduction on the, on the, the guitar, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think he's completely believable, and and I think again with a lot of these characters, there's a a sadness to them, which yes. within the humour as well, which I think works really well. So, but but yeah, the, the songs are great. I mean, the songs are just so uh, there's so many uh, cliches and things, and so many surprises in them, and mm-hmm. it, it's great stuff. Great stuff. And, and speaking of that, let let me play you another song. This was a song that uh, Merriman wrote for a terminally ill friend of his. Listen. I wrote this next one for a friend of mine who was uh, struck down with a terminal illness in the late 1990s. Um, it was a bit of a race to get this one finished. But, um, <laughs> God willing, I got it ready to play to him on his deathbed. Sadly, at that point, he died. Um, so, so he never got to hear the full version, which is uh, probably a good thing, actually, as it was more of a critique um, than a celebration, really. It's fantastic. It's, fant- it's fantastic. Um, uh, so, uh, so sweet, yeah. So sweet. Uh, I, the... the um, the joy of uh, one of the joys of this episode for me is watching Dean react to Merriman because he, <laughs> Dean, yeah, Dean obviously yes. doesn't really like folk. He mentions is David Gray an actual person or is that a made up? Is that <laughs> yes? Oh. No, that is a real person. <laughs> is it? Oh, please, can we get? Because at one point, yes. at one yes, point, yeah. it is. <laughs> okay, if you'd like to give us a little David Gray primer. <laughs> it's not someone that I really know a lot about, but oh. I know who he means. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, d- yeah. The because um, uh, Dean mentions that the only other folk uh, person he listens to is David Gray, and Merriman doesn't know who that is. And a little bit later, Dean mentions uh, tells of he goes on a great rant about Def Leppard, and Merriman <laughs> the whole time is just looking at him like I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> he does because he, he always has these little rants about something or other mm. and this time he picks on the, the deaf leopard thing because apparently he said he, he went deaf while he was listening to them in concert once and uh, so he goes this big rambling <laughs> story about them and about the name especially and he's, yeah, he just goes on and on about you know he said like they wanted to be named after a, a, a sleek um, cat-like animal and you know but they also wanted to give it a bit of a disability to yes. show their, their side their, their, their soft side so he said, you know, they, they could have called it rheumatic panther. Yes, <laughs> but they called it Dev Leopard and they decided to take one of the vowels out because otherwise it would look rubbish. <laughs> that was great. And then I, I, I believe, I forget if he calls them benders or wankers in the end. Um, but benders, benders yes. okay, yeah, and right, right at the end after he's he's done ranting about Def Leppard, giving him tinnitus at a concert, he just he's just looking at the camera, he pauses and just says, Benders, and then he turns to Merriman and just says, "And back to your album," because part of the the thing is that um, yeah. now that Merriman's under contract um, with uh, with Dean, uh, Merriman's classic seminal, which has a fun joke around it, his seminal album, yes, yes. is being re released. <laughs> Would you like to talk about the seminal album? Or... <laughs> Well, I've got to say, with the way he was describing it and talking about it as a seminal album, I did start to think, oh, that, I never put those words together. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, interesting interesting idea. But, yeah, his, uh, his album, the Gallows Man album, which is a re-release of, of one that originally sold eight copies. <laughs> He's re-releasing this album, and it looks, as though, it looks as though Dean has had a hand in the remarketing of it as well, which I liked. Yes. And rather than having him on Hampstead Heath with a, with a gallows rope and all the rest of it, it's been, it's been changed by Dean <laughs> to uh, mainly a, a large pair of breasts in a bikini with a gallows rope sort of yeah. nestled between them. <laughs> yeah, it's, go, it's, gone, it's gone. Very Dean. It's gone from being sort of, uh, sort of Fairport Convention-esque to being like, I don't know, Warrant or... Uh, poison or motley crew kind of thing and and even even not <laughs> even not quite the level of those 80s hair metal bands if you can think of some of your lower level hair metal bands like oh gosh i'm i'm like say say a band like fisk which is my favorite bad <laughs> 80s uh french heavy metal band uh it would be it would be a, a cover right. like that you know it's not like you don't look at it and think sexy you look at it and think oh that's a little weird and then, yeah, and that's Dean, I guess, in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that I found myself in a conversation talking about um, talking about metal bands. You, I don't think I could be much more out of my, <laughs> out of my knowledge zone. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I, feel, I feel like... Yeah, all of those, yes. I, I feel like if, if Dean sort of really began, started like in the early 80s or so, then yeah, he would have probably had his hand in some sort of metal band pie or something i don't know how I to think say he that has his hand yeah exactly things for the sounds of things yeah, yeah. so so yeah. so and there would have probably been a point where he would have worked on covers and said well you got to have boobs on the cover or behind or something like that yeah and, and whatever yeah. so go, go from there <laughs> yeah i was gonna say dean is great in this there's some really subtle bits that you you <coughs> kind of mentioned earlier on about um his reactions to things he's, there's lots of really nice sideways looks at the camera yeah. and things and and there's some brilliant awkward pauses and yes. silences and you know jokes that jokes that don't quite hit 
but are actually funnier than they should be yeah. because they just fail. <laughs> Things <laughs> like that. So yeah, he's an absolute treat. His performance in this. Yeah, the uh, like when the, when the when it begins, Merriman is more or less kind of tuning up. So here he is, Merriman Weir, and the spotlight goes on Merriman, and the crowd applauds, and then he just sits there for about twenty seconds, just tuning up, and it just cuts to Dean with a look at his face, like, "Oh dear, oh Merriman." And yeah, there 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 are at least three sort of wonderfully awkward moments in here that I love. One is that um, uh, Merriman's mini set ends like a couple minutes too early. And Merriman is like, so should I come over, sit with you, we'll t- start talking? No, it's about a minute to the break. There's really no point. And then he'll kind of sit around. <laughs> and Dean just has a great bit where he says, like, I feel like maybe I should try to do some admin, but it seems inappropriate. And they kind of just sit there awkwardly <laughs> for a minute. And um, <laughs> actually, yeah. my, my favorite awkward moment is actually probably right at the end. Because there is a moment where Dean doesn't want... Uh, uh, Merriman to sit there with the guitar as he's interviewing him. So so Merriman gets up and walks away yeah. to go, but he can't go fast because he has a pacemaker. And so Dean's just kind of sitting there watching him walk away <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> he said something about his pacemaker, didn't he? He said yeah. it, it, he can't, he can't do anything fast with it because he he had it at a festival once and it got stuck on samba. Yes, <laughs> the pacemaker. Yes. Uh, um. What what is there the um oh oh and the the last great sort of awkward moment is uh, right at the end when Merriman is uh, asked to do one more song and 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 the camera's on Dean and he said you know and we're gonna close out the show tonight with and all of a sudden you see Merriman kind of shamble by him and he goes where are you going and it's Merriman just yeah. not, just walking right. it's it's a great it's a great moment because Merriman it's. I, I'm sure Dean is doing Merriman wrong in many ways, but the great thing is he doesn't. Merriman doesn't oh, yeah. really seem to care that much. He's just kind of hanging no, out and no. yeah, and and doing his thing, and and he he just seems more confused and bemused by all the the things that are going on. And, yeah, and he's he's great. He's great. <laughs> I think he's, he says at one point that he's he's not doing it for the money, which I think Dean takes as you know he he responds to that as being well that's one of the reasons I'm yes. you know taking you under my wing sort of things. <laughs> but there are there are perks to to being under under Dean's wings because one of the things he gives him is an overnight bag, yes. and there's a there's a whole list of things in this overnight bag of all these special things. But the one thing that stood out to me is the first thing, which is um, a, a twin pack of gobbler's jumbo rubbers <laughs> and <laughs> i'm thinking too many questions all sprung to my mind at once but uh, I, I have to say i suppose merriman did talk a lot about being hung so yes. maybe that's what he was talking about <laughs> <laughs> and there there is that that moment where he's telling the story about uh him and his girlfriend driving home from somewhere and a bunch of folk fans tried to lynch them and and it's it's like he says he they pull over to the side of the road and, and but then he's like, we pulled over the side of the road to make a baby, and and I heard, and I thought, did I just hear that yes. right? And, and, and so he pulled. Yes. It's, I, I I mean I I know what he means, but then I thought, does he mean what I think he mean? Is that like um some sort of British? Does that mean something else, or is does that mean exactly what I think it means? Uh, no, <laughs> my reaction was the same as yours <laughs> <laughs> because of the way he says it is like I forget exactly what the context was like. So we were driving home from this this festival, and I, you know, and I was with my girlfriend, and you know, we pulled over to the side of the road to make a baby, and and it was like, what? Is it? Huh? Okay. Yeah. 
They play a portion of a video for the title track for Gallows Man, which was recorded back in the 70s. I'm not going to play you the full uh, song because it's a bit lengthy, but um, this is what Merriman sounded like in the 70s. And if you know uh, sort of these more... um, uh, I don't... don't, I I, I guess... I, I always think of Fairport Convention as the first band that comes to my mind, sort of the more authentic folk bands you'll kind of know where Merriman is coming from, apart from the fact that it's very silly. So listen to a minute of Gallows Man, and we'll be right back. At eight o'clock, me true love side, a cock will crow in my barn hay. To her with pack from battle back, I journeyed home for many a day. She me forsook and docked my cousin in her brook I swiped me pistols from me pack And told him I sought satisfaction At ten o'clock we took our stand And Ruffle did I strike the band At battle's drum me cousin call I'll have your bits on pistol ball what did you think of the gallows man uh, music video be honest <laughs> i loved it it's not the kind of thing i would normally like and, and it's like so many of these um videos for these kind of songs that you would get it's full of all the cliches you know it's got people in um highwayman kind of costume that sort of period of time it's got um sunsets and gallows on hilltops and um it, but it's also interestingly it's got a load of people from garth Marenghi's dark yes. place popping up in it um you've got the 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 uh the strumpet in it is alice lowe mm-hmm. um who was in one of the leads in garth in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, um, who gets shagged by Dr. Sanj from, <laughs> from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And then Dr. Sanj has a duel with, uh, with the, well, with Matthew Olness again, you know, the two of them have a, and there's, and it's even the silent characters, um, the two, the guys, I think they pop up oh, yes, as yeah. well mm-hmm. in, this, in this video. Yes. But yeah, so I completely enjoyed it, but for all the wrong reasons, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and it even has a great moment in the end where, <clears throat> you know, after uh the character goes on this rampage and kills everybody and and is hung uh it it ends with them all like <laughs> merrily prancing through a field and the best part is they're merrily prancing through the field is there there's an earlier <laughs> reference to the fact that um Merriman wanted this to have an authentic sound folk sound so he recorded it in his backyard but his backyard, uh, <laughs> uh, like abutted which, on the A12, which has the A12 going past. <laughs> yes. So, so the song ends, and you hear the strumming of the guitar, and everyone's dancing. It's it's um, a mix of like yeah, folk mm. folk music cliches with a with a touch of Seventh Seal ending sort of to it, and they're dancing towards us and prancing, and then all of a sudden you just start to hear beep beep honk, beep beep beep, and cuts back to Merriman in the studio saying, <laughs> "I think you can still hear a bit." Of the uh, of the uh, of the um, the motorway, uh, did, so did the remastering? Did it did it improve? Did it help get rid of some of that sound? No, if anything, it made it worse. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it was great. I can say one of the things they do really well with um, these these programs is these these series is setting up 
things that look incredibly familiar um, mm -hmm. not only with this music video but also when they, when they have in the studio when they have um, Merriman singing with his guitar there's so much subtle stuff going on with like the way the camera angles and the crossfades yes. and the close-ups and the lighting and it's just like I've seen that on so many music shows on television mm -hmm. it's just it's spot on it's just it's exactly what what it what you remember yes yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, and it just occurred. Sorry, what were you going to ask me just then? Oh, oh uh, um, it just occurred to me. I, I think I want to correct myself first briefly. I just, I just realized if I said that Dean got started, I, if Dean got started in the eighties earlier on, but with Dino's After Dark, that's that's very seventies, isn't it? So, so it would have been he would have got started back in the seventies and just mm. would have gone through the eighties. So, sorry, Dean lovers, I didn't mean to get that wrong. I guess we don't know exactly when Dean starts, <laughs> but it would, would have been there. But the, oh, the question no. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you. Do you think, um, well, no, if it was the 70s, I, I was going to say, because um, uh, I thought when I saw Sanchez or Todd Rivers or, you know, or, or Matt Berry or whoever it's meant to be, in the video, my first <laughs> yeah, thought Matt was, Barry, yes. my first thought, so is that Liz or Madeline Wool or Alice Lowe? Who is that meant to be? Yes. And, and then I thought, but isn't she dead? But then I thought, yes. no, no, she died. This, this was the 70s. This was long before she died or disappeared. Or whatever oh, that's it was. true. That that's happened. true. So, so it could be. It could, this could be the first time those two worked together. You know, long before they met Garth or something. Mm. And and maybe may, maybe it could be. I th yeah. Could you think? Because the only person who isn't kind of a main <laughs> member of Dark Place is Garth. Garth isn't in this. Do you think maybe he loved this video? Maybe he's a closet folk fan. <laughs> he saw this video and said, I want to get everyone there except Merriman because he looks a bit like me and I don't want him on the show. I wonder. I wonder. It looks a bit like me. I, I, it's, it's a lovely idea. I think you might be thinking a bit too much about this, but yeah, probably. it's a lovely idea. Uh, and, <laughs> and in the, um, in the, uh, in the, did you watch the pilot, the original pilot? which is on the extras. I did, yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, let's talk about yes. that briefly. Interesting, yes. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it follows the Merriman episode, but it does have sort of bits and pieces from other episodes turn up into it, bits of the dialogue from other mm -hmm. other ones sort of get played into it. But it's, yeah, it's it's interesting because there, there are a few differences, subtle differences. You've got, um, uh, it's the same studio, but you've got a, a live like a small orchestra in there yes. rather than the, yeah. just the music. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no Satu. She's not decorating the bar or anything. Mm -hmm. um, you actually see the audience for a, very briefly. So although you can hear them in all the other episodes, you, yeah. you actually get a glimpse of them in this. Mm -hmm. um, but, but apart from that, it's very, very similar to, to how it ended up. And, um, but yeah, it was just interesting to see how they first thought of it and, and actually how little of it changed, I thought. Yeah, and the and the fact that they chose Merriman for the pilot. That's I, I do wonder there if they uh they mm, mm. they had him in the pilot and maybe the network said uh and, and they maybe said, Okay, and we're gonna have Garth come back and the network said something like, Hey, you know what? When you actually do the show, make your first episode with Garth in it because that'll sell it to folks better than like a um uh, a, a, a not unknown character. I know they tried these characters out beforehand, but a lesser known character yeah, than someone yeah. like Garth. And the yeah, the, I think. But I, I think um, I think the decision to use 
to Garth was just kind of to form the link between the success of, Gar of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and this. But I'm interested that they chose Merriman out of all the characters to do the pilot with, because mm -hmm. it kind of suggests to me that that was one of the characters that Matthew Holness was most comfortable with, yes. which sort of, mm -hmm. which which matches what we were thinking about mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I, I I I think I think I agree with that, and I, I like too that since this show wasn't too long after Dark Place, they were able to pull in everyone from Dark Place, including Madeline or Liz or whoever she's meant to be in the, in the video, and the uh, the pilot is uh the, the yeah the big thing with the pilot is that sort of a lot of the stuff that dean says is kind of spread out amongst the episodes so he says like he's a, i'm a one-man brand which i think he says in the second episode and then something else that he says in like the yes, nimrod yes. so they so they kind of take all the they, they kind of really pile on dean's chatter and then they spread that out across the actual episodes of the show which is fun to see those bits kind of come up uh Let's see what what else do you have for this one? I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do yeah. I'm gonna do a note scan. Uh, what else do you have? You know what? You know what? While I'm <laughs> while we're doing a note scan, let's let me play you one more song. Okay, here here's the here's the first song he plays, the one where he goes a little too high in the start. Listen to this. Sorry, I shouldn't have put the capo on. I shouldn't have put the um. Sorry, I shouldn't have put the capo on. I usually, uh, usually sing this song without a capo. I could probably, I could probably take it off, but probably bug up the tuning. So I'll, I could probably sing that high. Can I sing? Yeah, I can sing that high. I'll sing that high. I'll sing it that high. Um, okay, this is a, a welcome song. <laughs> Scan the notes. I hope you enjoyed the song. I only have one more thing, and th this is this actually two more things because this is this is great to show. You know they're doing it live, live. I, I don't know how live they actually did it when they shot them, but they're meant to be live. But it's great because there are two moments where, uh, first when um, uh, Merriman is is kind of tuning at, at the beginning, and, and Dean is giving him a look, and then Merriman kind of looks over at Dean and says, "You can edit this out later, can't you?" And Dean says, no, we're probably going to have to keep it in for time. <laughs> and in fact, they do keep it in for time. And then, the, then this will be the last bit, and then we'll wrap this up. 
as Merriman is telling the story of how they tried to lynch his girlfriend, and um, uh, they they were using his guitar strings, and he, he he would say, you know, she got very mad at me because I kept telling them to use a, use a higher gauge string because the lighter gauge ones weren't going to work. And yes. Dean has a look on his face that's sort of. I forget if his his look is either like whatever or a bit shocked or something. And Dean comes in. um, I didn't write this down in full, but Dean comes in um, and says, you know what, maybe I should put a laugh in there. And he he looks at the camera and he goes like, (laughs) and then he does a really big fake laugh, you know, and does a, you know, what do you like kind of laugh. And he says, we'll we'll edit that in later. (laughs) And of course, they, and it's great because... It's 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 and he doesn't. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's meant to be a laugh that's edited in like thirty seconds before where it is, but nobody bothered to do it. So so it ends up looking like no. <laughs> it's it, it, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's really great. Um so if that is it and I don't know if I'd call this um this recording our seminal recording, but it's pretty good, I think. Go what no. go, 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 where, where can we find you online? We had a few sticky moments, but I'm not sure that I would say it's that good. But uh, um, yes, I, I'm online. You can find the Trilogy of Terror podcast on um, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, um, on Stitcher or on your podcaster. You can find it on there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at I am Gorblimey, all one word. And uh, to links to the other things, um, check out the website, which is trilogyofterrorpodcast.com. Excellent. Thank you again so much. And uh, you know what I'm going to do? I am. Gonna, Thank you. I'm going to. Um, I was. I was thinking I'd put in another song right here. I'm going to give you um, in full Dean's wonderful rant about Def Leppard. Enjoy. I've got terrible tinnitus in this ear, like a constant buzzing, like a. I mean, it sounds less sarcastic than that. But, um, <laughs> it is nevertheless there, which I got ironically enough at a Def Leppard concert. And um, I went backstage and I said to the boys, I said, you'll like this. I actually went deaf at your Def Leppard concert. And they said, it's spelled D-E-F. I said, come on, give me something. (laughs) And where do these soft rock bellends get off? (laughs) How the hell do they even come up with that name? I mean, what were they thinking? You know, we're a soft rock outfit. We want a name that denotes sleekness and power. Um, Perhaps we should name ourselves after a wildcat. But, you know, we've also got a sensitive side. We're vulnerable. Perhaps we should give this wildcat a disability. What about rheumatic panther? I'm not so sure. <laughs> How about a hearing impediment? What about Def Leppard? Good idea, but I tell you what, you better remove one of the vowels, otherwise it'll be a stupid name. <laughs> and do you know how they spell leopard? L-E-double-P-A-R-D. That's how they spell leopard. L-E-double-P-A-R-D. Benders. <laughs> Episode 7, Heart on a Chain, written by Jose Rivera, directed by Joe Dante, November 3rd, 1991. In this episode, we meet someone who seems to be Marshall's new best friend, a um, uh, kid named Devin, who is of the, um, you know, live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse variety, although he's, what, 12, 13, so 
I'm fairly certain he heard that somewhere, and he's just parroting that back, and he's, he's not 100% sure what that means. But he's the sort, yeah, who's always skateboarding around and almost running into trucks and scaring people and things like that. And you sort of get the feeling that him and Marshall are good friends, but Marshall's kind of like, wow, I wish I could be as crazy as Devin. There's a new girl in school, Melanie Monroe, and Melanie is, is super cute, and she also needs a heart transplant. Her heart is not well, and so you have to be calm around her and don't make a lot of sudden moves and things like that. And both Devin and Marshall kind of fall for her, and she kind of likes them, and they kind of give her uh, gifts and hang out with her. And, you know, it's it's looking like Devin is going to be the one who's going to win here just because he does this, I was going to say more stupid stuff, uh, but stupider. Uh, but, but he's like, he's cooler. He's just cooler than Marshall is. Now, obviously, Marshall fought a mummy, and Marshall went to the center of the earth and discovered, you know, the lost world of stuff, and he saved everyone from being turned into zombies in the boring zombies in the previous episode. But hey, it's Devin. Unfortunately, Devin gets killed while engaging in shenanigans out in the street. And, yep, Melanie gets his heart. And almost immediately, Melanie begins acting really weird. Not like herself, but a lot like Devin. Oh boy, is it Devin's heart making her act the way she acts? Because every time she's, she's starting to fall for Marshall now, and every time she starts to go and give Marshall a kiss, her heart begins to act up? Or is it just, is she just feeling guilty? Um, that Devin had to die in order for her to live? Who knows? I don't know. We might tell you, though, as our discussion commences. So now, let us join Amy the Conqueror and myself as we discuss Episode 7, Heart on a Chain. For this very special episode of Erie, Indiana, I have here someone you got to get to know. Actually, you probably already know her of her. Uh, maybe you do know her. Hey, friends of Amy, it's Amy. How are you, Amy the Conqueror? <laughs> I'm good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm a this. I I find this to be a the fourth episode directed by Joe Dante of seven so far. I find this to be quite a, an interesting episode. Um, I don't know if I'll ramble on about it as much as I did. Just say no fun, but I might. But what did you what did you think of this one? Uh, I like this one. It was a a pretty different theme than they've been doing. It seemed more. Um, Again, after-school special-like. Um, but, yeah, I, I loved that Danielle Harris was in it and the kid from The Burbs, which I, you know, don't remember his name. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this was a fun episode. I also like that Elvis was made another appearance in this one and actually had some lines. So. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, that, yeah, that Elvis scene is really sweet when he's just, just sitting there eating and uh, love will break your heart. Loves a real heartbreaker, little paper boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real lovely. Um, uh, yeah. There, um, I, I think uh, I will say that I quite like this episode. It does have, um, it does have sort of um, the, a twisted after-school special feel to it. Um, yeah. And yeah. It was, it's great to see Danielle Harris with her, her huge bangs and looking, looking, looking cute. <laughs> and I, 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 you know, I... I, uh, you know, I was one of the people I, you know, the, when did Halloween four come out? Was that 87 or 88? I want to say 87, 88, 88, 88 or 89, even one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 88, 89. Um, 
And yeah, I and I don't. I wasn't seventeen yet, so there was like a row of us snuck into the theater to see that, and she was in that, and it was great to see her in this. I, I I've always liked her, and um, I yeah, uh, and I I think there is there is um there, it's 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 tricky. The the things I like about this episode is I I really like Danielle Harris in it, and I like the um I do like the story of it i think it's sweet i think the ending is sort of like huh whoa kind of uh, yeah when i saw when i saw it i was like oh my gosh did, did i just see that and i had to rewind it i guess we'll spoil it do you think we should spoil the ending i don't want to hurt anyone <laughs> hey it's your show Okay. Um, we'll do a spoiler minute at the end we'll do a spoil. oh some point in here we'll do a spoiler minute and we'll announce it uh, before we do we might have to do a spoiler right. two minutes that sounds fair um uh, there, there is things like um, uh, I, I, stuff, stuff in here like when the teacher, who is Miss Annabelle Lee, Annabelle Lee being an Edgar Allan Poe uh, <laughs> poem, or was it a poem or a story? I, I, I forgot to look that up. I thought it was a poem. I believe it was a poem. Yeah, um, I thought so. Yes, yes, and and on the on the uh, and she looks like a zombie. The teacher, she looks like she's yes dead. Uh, and then behind her on the blackboard is is love is stronger than death Romeo and Juliet and and so I, I I like that in some respects they are doing an after school special but in another they're having a little more fun with it um just just because I mean you know I I didn't notice the Miss Annabelle Lee thing on her desk until like the until the second time I watched it um and that, right. that makes yeah, sense yeah you know, and and just the weird fact that According to the clock on the wall, when Danielle Harris walks in, there, that class is occurring at seven twenty. Now I know that when I went to school, high school, uh, I grammar school, we didn't start until like eight eight thirty or something like that. We certainly weren't in class at seven twenty. Did is hmm. no? Is that in high school? Thing? I was in in high school. I think we started. Uh, first period was like seven forty-five or something like that, and first period was always something. Yeah, we had um, we had a homeroom, so we had to be there by like seven twenty, seven twenty-five. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, we had um, we if I remember if I'm remembering correctly, first period began. Oh geez, I think first period began at seven thirty, seven forty, something like that, and then homeroom was like eight thirty. And so oh. I always t- I always took a first period class because that generally mean I because we had nine nine periods in the day in high school, and that meant if I took a first yep. period class and I I didn't mind getting up early that meant I was generally not there for the ninth period, and during my last semester of high oh, school oh yeah I, I, we did not have yeah, that option during during my last semester of high school I wasn't there for like the seventh eighth and ninth periods so I would get out like two hours or so <laughs> ahead of everyone else which was awesome. But uh, but yeah, I just I just noticed that right now because I've got the episode playing here and uh, there she she walks in the room at seven twenty. I thought no wonder the teacher looks so tired. Wow. Yeah uh, right. <laughs> so, so I think um, I I think the the only problem uh, and one of them actually isn't a problem. It's the it's the thing with Devin where Marshall starts and Devin's playing that game where you do the um 
I don't know. It, uh, does it have a name? Will you put your hand down and you spread out your fingers, and then you have like a knife or whatever, and you do that 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 around your hand. Uh, does that have a name? Does that? It does have know? a name. It's like five fingers something, and I can't remember okay. right now. God, <laughs> yeah, that's, I can't that's remember a... anything these days. <laughs> that's why you tune into eventually Super Train, everyone, for the good research that <laughs> I forgot to do because I was yep. looking at that, and my first thought was mumbly peg. But no, that's the thing where you throw the knife at the ground. I think I could be wrong. Hmm. But um, but no, this is like five finger something. Five finger something. I like, yeah. I'm all up for five finger something yeah. being the name of it. So five finger something. <laughs> um, I think the uh, so so yeah the the only the only problems I have with it because I think there's a lot of sweet stuff in the episode, and um, it's it's oddly enough it's um it's 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 almost wrong. I mean it's written by uh, uh, Jose Rivera who's one of the creators so he would know. Um, but it almost like feels not quite right for Erie, Indiana. Almost like you know a heart mm-hmm. transplant. I mean, yeah, it, it, it was all- totally different in tone. It seemed, yeah, yes, yeah, like, and yeah. Though <laughs> so I guess the the supernatural element is what they were going with. Yeah, as you know, because because the first half is very much a Marshall's in love, and then there's a tragedy. And the second half basically takes like an entire episode and crams it into like eleven minutes. <laughs> and that right. was one of the issues I had because I didn't, I couldn't tell after watching this twice whether or not I liked that. Because what happens is the first <laughs> act, basically the first half, is it starts off with a great scene at the. It begins at the cemetery, and you know he says when he kissed her. What is it? I think I got it in the back here. Uh, death isn't exactly something I like to think about, but ever since I lost my goldfish in Osferatu and said, great, I'm not reading this as well as he did, folks. I'm just trying to keep the episode moving. This is not, I'm not, this is an Olivier doing this. I knew death was a part of life and part of growing up. The thing is, here in Erie, especially in Erie, death and life, death, love, and growing up seem to be all kind of mixed up sometimes. So it should come as no surprise that the first time I ever really kissed Melanie Monroe, we were in the Erie Cemetery. Too bad we weren't alone. And that's that's what he says at the beginning, and it kind of begins at the cemetery and it ends the cemetery with their kiss. And here's here's what I, I think I would have really I don't know if this could have been a full on two part story, but I think it should have been a little longer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's something where maybe and but they wouldn't have really done this in 1991. I don't know if it's something where they could have introduced us to Devin and and Danielle. Her- no, that's not her. Melanie. <laughs> Melanie in a, in like a previous, <laughs> a previous episode, maybe. And um, right. Uh, oh, sorry, I just bumped a bumped my bookcase there. Sorry. Um, sorry, sorry, everybody. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's something where. Yeah, they could have introduced us to these characters in a previous episode. And then we could have met them. Maybe they could have joined Marshall and Simon for an adventure. And then this could have happened. Mm-hmm. But as it is, this right. feels like this feels to me like about an episode and a half. It, like the previous episode, Just Say No Fun, was about two-thirds of an episode stretched to one. This feels like an episode and a half smushed into one. And... Mm-hmm. The first half, I think, mostly works fine before the tragedy. And then when the tragedy hits, it's like, whoa, and they, they the act break. But but the tricky the tricky thing is, like, 
they, she, so it's immediately, she's got the heart, she seems to be all right. And then they immediately cut to her playing Five Finger Something, just like Devin, yeah. and saying Devin's <laughs> line, you know, about the live fast, die, what was it, live hard, die, throwing it out what what uh, hard fast and yeah. live, live fast die young leave a beautiful corpse or whatever it is yeah that's what devin says something and, like that yeah. yeah something like that yeah um and it's, it's interesting because they don't actually it there isn't actually something like where marshall is with her and they're just talking and everything's normal and then she says something that reminds him of devin it's actually it's a, what actually happens is She's acting like Devin, and that's and they they cut through all of that. Yeah, and it, and and in some respects, right. I I like that because I think once we learn the heart thing is going in, uh, we, they can get to that quicker. What the actual point of the episode? They can get to it quicker. But in another respect, it's almost too quick. Almost like yeah, we we know that this is going to happen, and with with his heart in her, she is going to take on his traits. We get that, uh, but but maybe a little subtlety to build up to that would have made it better, or, or or maybe not. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I I want to love this episode so much. Daniel Harris in it, you got me. I'm halfway there, and the ending just breaks my heart. And I love the mm-hmm. fact that the the first half of the episode has nothing weird in it at all. Up until the start of the right. second act, there's nothing weird at all going on in this episode, which is lovely for a show that prides itself on being weird. Uh, but then when it actually introduces the weird, the weird happens a bit too fast. You get exactly what they're doing, but it's almost like I, I wish they could have just had another five minutes, maybe, just to, just to, just to stretch it out. Because it really is, if you watch that second act, it really is, she's acting like him. They try to kiss. He, she almost has a heart attack. It's because of his heart. Now they're at the cemetery. It's over. Huh? Okay. Yeah. That's. I. You know. I. 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 I like a fast pace. I also like a slow pace too. But I like a fast pace. But that was a little too much for me. It. It didn't. It, it didn't lose me. I didn't stand up and go, "You son of a." Ah! But I just. I also thought. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I wish I wish they'd have. I mean, because that first act break, where it's um, when you know at the hospital, where what are you doing here? Oh, they just called and said they have a heart for me. What are you doing here? Devin was in an accident. Is he okay? I don't know what happened a half an hour ago. What? What? When did you get the call? Oh, about a half an hour ago. You know, and it's like, oh my God, that's when I knew he was dead. And that's the act break. Perfect. Right. But then there's too much that has to happen in the second act for the time they have, I just think. Although, I, no, I, I can not, agree with that. Definitely. I, I, I don't dislike it in any way, shape, or form. And I appreciate the... It's, it's more modern plotting. Um, like the Simpsons plots like that, where, you know, instead of, um, uh, uh, like, taking a whole scene to just let it breathe... And just let it let something develop. They'll come in, they'll say something, it'll be funny, and then they'll go on to the next thing, and that joke will have set whatever it is in motion. They, they, they don't stop and let it breathe. And with a show like The Simpsons, you don't expect mm-hmm. that. But here, I was hoping, just because it's so sweet, and it's—I mean, here, here's the here's the thing: 
here's the thing. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Okay, well, I got. I guess this should be the spoiler minute. I just thought you want to do a spoiler minute real quick. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, would you like to spoil it or would I? No, you go for it. Okay, all right. We're bursting so, here. Okay, so I'm going to start a spoiler minute. Spoiler minute will begin in five, four, three, two, one. The final scene is in the cemetery, and she, um, and yeah, and 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 um, Danielle Harris, not Danielle Harris. What is her character's name? I only got a minute. Melanie. Uh, Melanie. Takes the lock. Yes, takes <laughs> takes the locket that Devin gave her, puts it on Devin's grave, and her and Marshall kiss, and Marshall leaves with Simon. And as she's standing by the grave, as I said in the narration, too bad we weren't alone. As in long shot, as Simon and Marshall are walking away, we see death. We see the Grim Reaper approaching her. We don't see her him get to her, but we see him approaching her, and it's like, the hell? And then he Marshall says, you know, like, that would be the last time I saw her. And the closing moment is the angel on Devin's grave, and it starts to cry. And it's really lovely, and it's like, whoa, that's nuts. But my spoiler minute is almost up. But um, but um, we're going to – hey, wait a second. Wait a second, Amy. Hey, everyone, welcome back from the spoiler minute. Uh, countdown to another spoiler minute. Five, four, three, two – sorry, everyone. One. Okay, Amy, what did you think of that ending? Oh, no, I'm with you. That was – yeah, that was a rough ending. I didn't see yeah. that coming. And the thing about – pardon me, I, I just had a little yeah, water, folks. Um, um, I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, not only is that a heartbreaker, and not only does that, like, come out mm-hmm. of nowhere, I think, just when death – it's like, I, yeah. I'm sitting there going, is that death? Is that, is that, like – that's not like some goth guy dressed up as death. That's death. <laughs> oh, no. Just hanging out the um, cemetery. Yeah, yeah um, but but then it occurred to me, and then I guess we'll come back from the spoiler minute. But uh, not only is that heartbreaking, but within the space of what a month, Marshall lost one of his best friends and his first love. Yeah, that is that's, that is crazy, and that maybe will explain any problems he has with Erie from this point on. And unfortunately, our spoiler minute is done. Mm. But um, but right. yeah, if you can um. If you can, and 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 just uh, on a lighter note, for those of you, for those of you who um, didn't listen to the spoiler two minutes, sorry about that, folks. Um, then you you know you 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 might already be on a lighter note. But on a lighter note, pay attention to Marshall shirts; they're fun. He had a cool like skull shirt on in the Losers <laughs> episode, and he's got like a Three Stooges shirt on in this one. He's he's got some fun shirts. Oh, I didn't notice but, that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so this. Um, Jeez, I wish I could take one more spoiler minute because something just occurred to me. Isn't and I, I I don't know if this is a spoiler, but isn't it implied that she's okay now because she has his heart? I mean, apart from when he does the weird beyond the grave things to her, isn't it implied that she her heart is okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because the ending, which I'm not going to tell you folks about, um, I can't even tell you. Jeez. I'm going to do, can I do just a spoiler 10 seconds? <laughs> Here we go. Let's do it. I'm going to do a spoiler <laughs> 20 seconds from um, four, three. These are fun, folks. Two, one, zero. Spoiler <laughs> 20 seconds. Uh, death claims her at the end of the episode. How? Why, how does she, does she die like Devin does in an accident? Or, or does her heart give up? It, because right. if that's Devin, if that's Devin letting her heart give out, 
that's a pretty spiteful thing to do. So I'm not sure why she. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not. Oh, okay, I 20 always, seconds are I just up. Hey, was... Oh, I'm oh. sorry. We're going to do a spoiler. <laughs> ten, how, how long do you think, Amy? Ten seconds? Oh, no, we're we're good. Oh no! If you got something to say, Amy, <laughs> everyone's everyone's poised on their fast forwards right here. So we're gonna we're gonna give Amy her <laughs> own spoiler twenty seconds. Four, three, two, one. I'm sitting back, Amy. Twenty seconds. It's yours. No, I was just gonna say that I I had thought it was definitely her heart, not some other accident that had taken her. Yeah, which I didn't even think of another option. I just thought, nope, her heart gave out. So you're right. Yeah. That's pretty bad of um, Devin yeah, if, to if, do if that's if, what happened. Yeah, if Devin did that, yeah. So thanks. Hey, everyone, welcome back. There are going to be no more spoilers. Uh, here's another spoiler two minutes. Nope. This I love, I love the fact that if you don't want to be spoiled, folks, you've just had the most annoying eight minutes of your life or so, however, <laughs> however long this was. And we're sorry. We're sorry because part of this episode – um, it begins at the end, and it foreshadows what will happen at the beginning. Um, and you know this isn't going to turn out great. I mean, <laughs> this is going to this isn't going to be a happy ending for everyone, you know. And um, oh, I just knocked my earphones off, but that's not an unhappy ending for me. I just put them right back on. So, but yeah, this is. Um, I'm going to sc- I'm going to scan my notes. Amy, scan your notes. No spoilers. You got anything else to say? about this one uh yes actually i know that in uh i think it was the first episode we were trying to figure out where they were when they were in that room with all the artifacts that he collects from eerie or you know the um and then we figure out in this episode it's actually the attic Yes, yes, and he brings. Uh, she's the and first girl. And I thought girl. it was the garage. I, 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 one of my favorite moments in it is the 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 family's reaction to Marshall being in love because, um, yeah. ha- having been in the position of like when I was in grade school, it was more. It was third or fourth grade. It wasn't seventh grade. Um, we got a new gal. Uh, her name was Heather. Heather Shergot. S H U R G O T, I believe Heather Shergut, and she was she was a cute blonde, and I just fell in love with her immediately. And you you can imagine me, folks. You've heard me, you know, talk endlessly about, you know, the immortal and you know uh, Cobra and Manimal. So you know how suave I was. You can only imagine how suave <laughs> I was. And, and but there was I instantly fell in love with her, and then there was another guy in the class, a super big jock named Kevin. And Kevin, well, Kevin was an idiot, and I, I think he still is an idiot. From what I've what I've encountered of him on like Facebook and such, um, when we like kind of reminisce back <laughs> to the the good old days at Saint Margaret Mary High School, uh, uh, Saint Margaret Mary Grade School in um, in Arundel, New York. Um, uh, but yeah, so, so for about two or three months, it was just. Uh, it wasn't like Devin and Marsha where they were pals and they clearly liked her and she clearly knew that they liked her. And it was kind of like which one was going to sort of win her heart or win a heart. Or I don't know where I went with that one, but she got a heart. She got his heart. I don't know. I, I got lost there. But um, uh, we, yeah, Heather, with Kevin and I, it was just like several months of like, 
Well, we were in like fourth grade. What the hell could you do? You could you couldn't go anywhere, you know. So yeah, right. Trying to, yeah, trying to be cool, trying to make her laugh, and um, I think I got closer than Kevin did because I actually remember going over to Heather's house one day, and um, and we used and we played on her uh, sit and slide. Do you remember that thing, the big thing with the uh, yeah, yeah, and we, we she set that up in her backyard. And we played on that, and I think like that was as close to a date as I got with Heather. I never kissed her in a cemetery. <laughs> we went on the sit and slide for about 15 minutes. And somewhere after that, it faded or she left or she, you know, said, leave me alone. She probably didn't say that. She was in fourth grade. Um, but uh, <laughs> but so, so I like I know what Marshall and Devin are up to with 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 Melissa. I know. Or Melanie. Melanie. Crap. I still not getting Melanie. It right. How can how can I still not get it right after all this? Um, uh <laughs> Um, but I, I kind of know, and I kind of really liked the first half of this where they're doing that because I thought I'm there, and I also thought too from Marshall's point of view where I thought like, hey, you know what, I'm cool, but the thing is like Kevin was this big jock guy, you know, and like all the gals kind of liked the big jock guys back then, you know, the nerds weren't someone you <laughs> paid attention to, you know, in the '80s you didn't pay attention to nerds. You know, you push nerds around. They got shoved into lockers and pushed off of things. You know, so so I, I was always like, I was always like, I know I'm smarter than Kevin. I know I'm funnier than him. But I'm not sure, I, like when we're playing like dodgeball or something, and he's like a foot taller than I am and throwing the ball right at my crotch and I'm falling <laughs> down in pain. There's not much I can do. He wins every time. He wins. So with Devin and Marshall, obviously, it's it's a lot sweeter because they're friends but but i was i was right there with it now yeah uh you know kevin didn't die and have his heart put into heather or anything like that not that i remember well but (laughs) well that's Uh, good actually yeah so so i i do like i do like the fact that they went this is a much more personal episode of the show i don't think it fully works but i think that's just the way the times that were this it, it wasn't enough for it was too much for one episode it wasn't enough for two they went for the wiser choice which was to keep it at one but um but that that constricted the supernaturally part in the second half but generally uh, right. I, I i do like this one so and i and oh one more thing one more thing there at one point i do love two things one is marshall has a radio that only plays music from the 1940s and I forget the name of the song that's playing. Da 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 da. You yeah. know the tune. You know the tune. I think it's probably like playing it, in the Prowler or something. Um, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> like during the opening of the Prowler. Um, um, but there, that that's a great moment. And then at one point, after he talks to Elvis, one of the musical themes that plays. Oh, oh, the first time he's going to kiss her, uh, the theme that plays sounds a lot like, but isn't quite, Can't Help Falling in Love with You, the Elvis song. Oh, is that the song? Can't help falling in love with you, wise men say. That one. Only fools rush in, or whatever it is. Uh, that It sounds almost exactly like that, which is cool. So, so that's me talking a lot about this, but we're getting deeper into the show, folks. It's getting more interesting as it goes. So, Amy, do you have anything else on this one? Nope, I think I'm good. Awesome. I, Melanie. Ha ha! 
All right. There so you Amy, go. <laughs> Amy, what, uh, what up? Where can we find you online? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Amy underscore the underscore conqueror. Excellent. Thank you. And may I just, I just realized that a few of the episodes on the DVD set have the little closed caption thing in the corner, in the, in the cor- box in the corner of the screen, which seems a little weird to me. I don't know why um, a hmm. DVD, because uh, that's like a that's like something that the network would put on to say it was closed caption. Right. Because, um, but having <laughs> said that, um, I guess uh, I'm just looking to see if okay. I'll just say one thing I forgot, and then I'll go, uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off with this, and then we will go to um, six seven. Oh my gosh, four five six. We will go to. I think we're going to the discussion of the last episode of The Last Precinct. Don't let your heart break. You're going to be okay. When, oh, when, oh, okay. In two episodes ago, Marshall's parents talk about going to see Close Encounters but never making it there when they were in college together, I think. In this episode, Marshall, in his, like, mashed potatoes, with peas, he spells out (laughs) Melanie. So I don't know if that's we're all yes. together, if that all means something. But I'm huh. just going to leave you guys. That's thinking. interesting. Yeah, well, it's, it's getting more interesting as it goes, folks. But let's let's take a deep breath. Let's not be sad. Let's go on to the last precinct, which is probably going to be pretty dumb but charming. Here we go. This is the NBC Television Network. Last Precinct, Episode 7, 8 overall, including the TV movie, Three Ring Circus, aired May 30th, 1986, directed by Michael Lange, written by Paul Birnbaum, Robert Gothels, and Jim Mulligan. And they have ampersands in the credits, which means they were more or less a writing team. Although the episode being named Three Ring Circus, there are sort of three things going on. There is something involving a circus, a bunch of Russians defecting and constantly showing up at the precinct to defect until eventually the precinct looks like it's a circus. And there's a woman with a bear. Then there is a a plotline about the Brownie Bandits uh, when, uh, oh, uh, Homer Bedlow from Petticoat Junction and uh, Sundance go off in search of the brownie bandits who are, who are these bandits who have been around for decades and they leave cookies behind whenever they rob banks so they're an older couple and uh, and the Homer Bedlow character I didn't take down his name Waldo Flynn 
possibly, is I'm just going to call him Homer. That's how I know him. He's been tracking them down for ages. So they're after the Brownie Bandits. There are all these Russians defecting into the place. And the main plot line is um, two gangsters, one um, Japanese uh, name, last name Hu, and one Italian last name Watt. So we get a lot of who's on first, what's on second, who's on... Uh, who's third I don't know kind of jokes which is fun and they're all like on they're on a boat and and they're waiting on a big drug deal and, and things like that and they have alphabet dress up as a an exotic uh, well more or less prostitute kind of to to entice Watt and and get information and uh, so yeah so so basically we get these three plot lines intertwining trying to stop this drug deal and the drug deal is uh, one of those where it's on the on the balance of like the the um, Wingshausers department and the precincts department, and it all depends on the tides. And so they yeah they send Alphabet in. It's 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 um uh, I'm I'm sorry it's a uh, it's um uh, Night Train and um jeez and I still don't remember his name even at the very end of the show Price Night Train and Price. Uh, send Alphabet in, and they're finding out that this uh, drug deal is going on, and then they have to, uh, they barely get him out of there, and then they have to go back in and stop the drug deal when all the drugs show up, and meanwhile, as I said, the the precinct is filling up with, with Russian uh, acrobats, and people with bears, and jugglers, and all kinds of craziness, and then the brownie bandits are being hunted for, and they catch the brownie bandits quite easily, they're an older couple, and um, and they actually get a moment, and this is not gonna. This is not gonna make you laugh, but um, uh, it's just a, a moment that actually made me laugh out loud. Because there are not, not a lot of moments in the show that make me laugh out loud. I enjoy at its best. I enjoy its kind of frantic, hectic craziness. But there is a moment where they, um, uh, clown car pulls up in behind the police car that Sundance and Homer were in as they're arresting the the brownie bandits, this older couple. And all of a sudden, all the clowns come out and they'll, we want asylum. And they start piling into the police car as if it were a clown car. And they just fill up the police car. And as Homer Bedlow is standing there looking, the, the male, the husband, the brownie bandits lean forward and says more or less something along the lines of, maybe we should go in two cars, which I loved. So how is this episode for a final episode? I think it's great. It's kind of sad that at this point, if you if you notice the date and the date of the last one, Toehold, there was a week off in between episodes. I'm wondering if it was one of those things where, like in that in that week off, what 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 what, what, are, what are we looking at here, date wise? May 23rd. Oh, two days after my 13th birthday. I'm wondering if in May 23rd they showed something else, maybe a special or something, or maybe they did repeat an episode. But yeah, this is the last one. I'm. We can talk about whether th these are the only ones we have. This last precinct hasn't gotten official release, you know, like Manimal got an official release. 90-minute pilot, seven-hour-long episodes. You know, Immortal has now got an official release. 90-minute 90 90 minute TV movie, 15-hour-long episodes, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, I don't know if there are more episodes. It's like Shadow Chasers had, what, the two-hour pilot, and then I think it aired seven ep nine episodes but then the last four aired on the Armed Forces Network. It's the same way Cliffhangers, the 11th episode was just for the European market, but we get it anyways because we're cool. Uh, so I'm wondering if there are more episodes of Last Precinct around and just no one's discovered them yet. I mean, even Co-Ed Fever, I think, had like six episodes or something, but they only aired one. I think the other five aired in Peru, or maybe I'm thinking of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place.
But having said that, um, so it's it, it's a fun episode. This this I, I like this episode very much because it's it's it brings in a lot of the the police squad style silliness, like the the opening sections with the roll call, kind of trying to emulate Hill Street Blues in some way, I guess, where you see it's like six forty three, and you see the the roll call, you know, the room where all the officers assemble. It's empty. There's one officer asleep on a desk. Seven thirty, same thing, and then nine ish. Everyone is there, and um, uh, Yana Nirvana there is at Haggerty. She hasn't really done much in this uh, series, which is too bad. Sergeant Haggerty, and uh, she she leads the role, and everybody is there, and the camera is kind of um, you know a bit uh, handheld in there, kind of giving it uh, a sense of um, excitement. Uh, and giving it a sense, I just rewatched uh, Police Academy Two the other day, and remembering all the 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 uh, scenes in the in the the briefing scenes there. Uh, and there is there is another plot line that is sort of a secondary plot line that ties in the end, which is that um, Price and Night Train have invested a lot of the group's money in something or other, and it's it's with a it's with some sort of shady financial dealers, and they they eventually end up linked to who and what. But then in the end, the gang gets their money. But then there's another little twist, and it's there's a lot going on. And the thing about it is that in the previous episodes, there was a lot going on, but generally it was for one purpose. Yes, there was an episode where Mel's dad shows up, but most of the time it's all for one purpose. You know, the last one, it was all about figuring out what that uh, the blind gangster was doing with the wrestling. You know, the other one, uh, before that, it was all what's going on in the haunted house. You know, there were a ton of different things happening, but it was all for one um, uh, purpose. This one is where they finally seem to say, you know what, we're basing this on Police Academy, which goes off of Animal House. Let's have a ton of different things going on. So that's, that's the great thing in this, is we intercut the three main plot lines, plus this fourth plot, D plot line of the, the investments, and it gives uh, enough to do. Now, having said that, I still think some of the bits with Alphabet dresses the woman, um, those might go on a little too long, especially when she re- he, she returns. And it's so like, okay, we can pick this up. But there are laughs in the episode, and there's a lot of a lot of charm to it. And I think if they had done it like this, I mean, I, I like, the, with the writing credit, I like to think that even though that implies a writing team, I would like to think it was kind of sitting down, maybe someone in charge, like Frank Lupo said, okay, let's try one that's more like a police academy. You know, we're scene by scene, we're not following the same plot line. And so they, they called in three writers, and they, they hashed out the thing, and one of them wrote the brownie bit, one of them wrote the Russian bits, one of them wrote the bits with who and what. And then they all sat down and combined them together. And, uh, oh, that, that, I'll, I'll give you the, um, it's Bach, Bachnell, what is it, Bachanel Leisure, Leisure, Bachanel Leisure. Yes, thank you. The, that's the company. Yes, that's the company that they invest their money in because it shows up as Night Train is talking about it. It says, and we get a caption, pronunciation, and remember this. This is the key to the story. And then later on, when we hear it again, we get another caption. We get a lot of stuff in this one. We get uh, dogs and bears getting like little word balloons, and um, and the uh, the uh, captions keep coming up, like you know, um, you know, uh, the next day around brunch or later that same rotten day, things like that so it's 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 pretty fun they're, they're keeping on top of it um and I, i'd like to think that if they had followed this plot line i mean kept it more like a hill street blues kind of thing we had a bunch of different things going on it would have been um 
I enjoyed what it is, but I really like what they do here. And I, I, I would have preferred that they did more of this. Um, and everyone gets a bit of something to do. Mel doesn't get that much to do. And Adam West is still, um, you know, acting within an inch of his life in this one. But there's there's enough there's enough going on that I, I think it's worthwhile. And I think this is a good closing episode. I would almost say that this would be a fun episode to show to someone. Because it has all the manic energy of the previous episodes. But because it is more of a multiple plot line story, it isn't quite representative of the other episodes. I mean, think of the first one with the gorilla and the mobsters, you know, uh, you know, and they, you know, and the, the, the pilot movie has several different things going on, but they happen separately. You know, you get the opening sections and then this section and then this section, and they're, they're not all intertwined and everything. But here you get a lot going on. And I, th I think it's nice. To and when you see three writers' names like that, you think, oh, this could be a mess. But it, it works. I think it works. It all dovetails in the end. And the, the, final, the final shot of the series is uh, a clown car full of clowns, some of them sticking their heads out, like a Volkswagen bug kind of thing, just driving away. And that's the, um, that's the way the series ends, with a, a car f full of clowns driving away. Which I think... Um, is an apt bit of symbolism for the series itself. So, Three Ring Circus, I really like it. My favorite episode, possibly. You know, I love haunted house stuff, and uh, and I love uh, you know the vampire one and all that. But this one just has a has a has a has a has a charm to it that its structure um, really um, succeeds in bringing out. So, so I would yeah. If, mm. I really wish we could have seen more episodes, and if they continued like this, where they embraced the Police Academy-style plotting... I mean, that's the thing with Police Academy, is that it's not until the the end of... Gen like, the half hour, last half hour or so of, of the movies, in general... I mean, City Under Siege doesn't do this, but in general, like, the main ones, like, one through four, the ones most folks know, most of five... Six is one of my favorites, however. But, like, like the ones we know, they're all kind of like, you know, uh, you know frat boy style comedies with all kinds of different things going on and everybody gets a little plot line and everybody gets a little something and then it all converges in like the last 15 to 20 minutes for some big hoo-ha they do make one mistake here i think in that uh like with police academy 3 which was the most recent one out um like police academy 3 has that great um it's the is police academy 3 the jet ski ending right yeah two is the one in the old zoo not the new zoo the old zoo uh, the news. Uh, one is the one with the riot, which is hilariously funny. I watched that again the other day. Four is the one with the ninjas and the hot air balloons. Oh my God, that's a good one too. Uh, and but but three is the one with the like the jet ski race and everything. And and the thing is that if they're trying to emulate Police Academy in the climax, they're not really pulling it off. They do a wacky Scooby-Doo style running around, sometimes a fashion mo moment, motion with wacky music playing throughout this boat. Wasn't this guy in Petticoat Junction? Yes, that's right. I completely forgot that that happened. It's playing on the screen right now, and as Homer Bedlow is talking to Sundance, there's a dog in the back, and you get a little word balloon. Wasn't this guy in Petticoat Junction? You're damn right he was. And in fact, I'm going to pause it on that so I can take a picture of that for later on. There it is. That's awesome. So... They, they kind of get the climax wrong because the climax of, like the riot climax in Police Academy 1 is hilarious, but it's also exciting. It's also, I mean, like, um, where's the riot? Where, where are you right now, Barbara? Passing you now, sir. Ah, and all these crazy rioters. 
but they just make it wacky in in uh, this episode and a lot of the other episodes, which kind of defeats the purpose. The the ending should be serious as all get out and edited within an inch of its life for excitement, but then intercut with jokes rather than being like, this is wacky. Mm. But maybe future episodes would have changed that, you know? And, and as I mentioned earlier, I don't know if there are more episodes of Police Academy, eight, like a 90-minute TV movie, and then what is it? What was it? Six, five months later, four, five months later, seven-hour-long episodes seems a bit weird to me. But you know, like I said, Manimal was more or less the same thing, and I think I think other shows around, like Dallas, first season was a five-hour-long episode. So I don't know. Maybe that's you would think like six or something would be would be more like it, six or eight. But I suppose seven to make it eight would work. And but so so as far as I know, at this moment, these are all the episodes of the show until we learn but here's the thing how about this before i wrap this up if sometime in the future there's an announcement the last precinct is coming to blu-ray or dvd or whatever or you know beta i don't spectra vision or what, what was that no um the, those big discs you remember those big like yeah um uh, anyways um uh i don't even remember what i was saying oh if it comes to dvd or blu-ray Maybe VEI might release it. Who knows? It's a Stephen J. Cannell show. They possibly they release Cobra, um, but if they do, and there are more episodes, it goes beyond Three Ring Circus. I will stop whatever it is that's going on at the show at the time, and we will cover those episodes, and it'll be awesome. You're gonna love it. So, Last Precinct overall, what are my thoughts? I think it's charming. I don't think it reached its full potential, but then. A 90-minute TV movie trying to keep people's attention after the Super Bowl is one thing. And the seven-hour-long episodes um, have a variety of things going on. And the episodes range from charming to charming and completely unfunny, um, but still charming, to rather funny and lots of fun. Like this one, I think the Gorilla episode is lots of fun, too. I, I think... I think it's a nice mix of stuff. I mean, as far as like police shows of the 80s that had comedy in them, Sledgehammer is much funnier and Police Squad is funnier than both of them. Uh, but I, I think the thing is like Sledgehammer has laugh out loud funny moments throughout it. And when it doesn't, there's usually something interesting happening. In this, when there isn't something interesting happening, everyone's running around like crazy and they're always loading up the frame with stuff that's happening to kind of distract you from the fact that there's nothing really funny going on. Uh, so... I, rec I recommend giving it a viewing. Um, I kind of would say maybe start with the Gorilla episode and Three Ring Circus. Uh, those are probably the two overall best episodes. If you like old Dark House stuff, try the Haunted House episode. And if you, if you want to be a stickler, try the 90-minute TV movie. Start from there. That does give you everything you need to know. Um, I just think, as I've said before, I think they, they um, mistake Manic for funny a lot of times, but there are some, I mean, wasn't this guy in Petticoat Junction? I'm looking at it right now, and I am smiling at it, because that was my first thought. Oh my God, Homer Bedlow! That's that, that's so awesome that they're referencing that, so. Uh, maybe I'll mention that in my Henning verse book that I'm writing, that he's in Last Precinct. Whenever, you, whenever I can, you know, uh, bring up, uh, yeah... Some something like Last Precinct, I, I go for it. So, yeah, that's the Last Precinct, everyone. I don't know where we are now. This is like the 13th or 14th show or something like that. We finished. And thank you so much for joining me for this. And, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna miss the gang. It's I, I, I think the thing is, if the show were funnier overall, 
Uh, it's charming, definitely, but if it were funny overall, I'd be a little sadder to see it go. But as it is, I'm ready to move on. If we had more episodes and it got funnier and funnier as it went and sort of refined its formula, then I'd be very sad that we were leaving it behind. Like Manimal, when Manimal ends, it's like, oh, where could this have gone? Last Precinct, where it ends right here, I'll miss it, but I'll get over it. So that is the last precinct, gang. That is that is that is Price. That is Night Train. That is uh, Mel. That is Alphabet. That is Captain Wright. That's Butch. That's Sundance. Did I, did I mention Raid? Uh, that's Rena. That's Haggerty. That's uh, Old Lieutenant Hobbs. Wings Hauser. Um, that Chief Bloodhorn who wasn't in this one. And I I forgot that uh, the woman who plays Rena, Lucy Lee Flippin, is the mom in the car with the older brother from Wonder Years at the start of Police Academy too. I'll go when I'm ready. Yo, we're ready now, mister! Where um, Tackleberry shoots the tear gas through the back of the car to get him out. I forgot that it's bird face. Uh, it's good stuff. So, yeah, there will be missed. And you figure as it went along, you know, as seasons went along, you know, there um episodes like we get an episode with Raid and Rena featured. We get an episode with Haggerty featured and not just all the same gang. We'd we'd flesh everyone out and everyone would get an episode and it would be this joyous, beautiful thing. And in another universe, the eight episodes of Last Precinct would be showered with Emmy Awards and, and all kinds of wonderful accolades around the world. As it is, we've got a ninety minute T V movie and seven hour long episodes and um even before summer had begun uh, it was over. Yeah, that's that's right. It like it premieres in like um, mid spring, and it's over before spring is out. Spring has sprung, and the last precinct is gone. Thank you for joining me for this, everybody. I'm gonna miss them. <sighs> Goodbye, last precinct. Sigh. I, I thought it was a fun show. Ah, uh, well. So that's the end of Last Precinct there, everyone. But the next episode, Man to Man with Dean Lerner continues, and Erie, Indiana continues, and we will have a brand new old show in here. What are we at? We, we've completed like 12 shows, 13 shows now. I never count. I always count like when I'm pacing around my living room and dining room, thinking up ideas and working around. I'll stop every once in a while and go, hmm, cliffhangers, Beyond Westworld, Joni Loves Chachi, and I'll go through all of them. And I don't mention Battle of the Network stars, which we're stalled on, but which is still fun, anyways. And but I never get all the way through, so I think we're in the vicinity of thirteen-ish, lucky thirteen. Yay! Ah, all right. EventuallySuperTrain.blogspot.com is the website at eSuperTrain one on Twitter. EventuallySuperTrain on Facebook. I believe it's eSuperTrain at Yahoo.com is the email address, or you can email me at Danny D A N N Y Slacks. S-L-A-C-K-S at yahoo.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Any reviews would be greatly appreciated. Thank you everyone so much for listening. And I think we are going to conclude with a little bit more of the Police Academy theme. Talk to you next time, guys and gals. (laughs) 